I know they're my friends, but that was awesome. Loved it. That was great. Man. Woo! Well, tomorrow is the big day. This is it. Are you ready? I know your kids are ready. Tomorrow's the big day, man. I mean, this is the day that we've been planning for, preparing for, buying for, cooking for, baking for, purchasing for, wrapping for, and some of us just clinging with our fingernails, begging God to bring as quickly as possible, you know? I mean, it's, it's here. This is it. Tomorrow's the big day. I was thinking about all the things that we've gone through to get ready for this day, you know? I mean, you've got your tree up at this point. If you're me, you've put your tree up twice because your Christmas tree stand that you've trusted in for a decade broke, leaked water all over your wood laminate floor, which is always suspenseful because you don't know how the floor is going to react. And then it literally, after it was decorated, came down in the living room. So that was fun. But the tree is up, isn't it? The tree is up. You've been to the garage, you've been to the storage unit, you've been to the shed, you've been to the place where you have all of your big, huge Christmas boxes, and somehow, and I don't know how this works, but every year these boxes somehow make their way to the back of the garage and underneath absolutely everything. You've unloaded your entire garage, you've pulled out every one of these boxes, you've reloaded your entire garage, you've sworn that you're going to put them in a conspicuous spot, even though that's what you said last year, but here's the deal. All the decorations are out, all the decorations are up, you're done. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. The presents are bought, the presents are wrapped, the stockings are up, you've been to the parties, you've gained, I'll just be honest with you, not all of the weight yet, (laughs) but most of it maybe, I don't know, we'll see. You've watched all the movies, you're at the Christmas Eve service, the finish line is in sight. Tomorrow's the big day. Tomorrow is the day when, for example, you're going to find out whether everybody's been paying attention to your not-so-subtle hints about exactly, and I do mean exactly, what you're hoping to find under the tree with your name on it. Whether they've looked at the dog-eared catalogs, whether they've checked out the pictures that you've printed out or actually physically taken and given to them, whether they've read your lists in which you've indicated make, model, you know, numbers, sizes, colors, leaving absolutely nothing to the imagination. Did they get it right? I... I don't know, but tomorrow we'll know. And it's either going to be really neat or it's going to be a little bit awkward because you know they're going to watch you open it. It's true, and they're coming to you with a lot of excitement, and they're going to hand to you that present. And you're thinking in your heart, I sure hope this is it because, wow, you know, because they'll have the camera and they're like, oh, and then they're going to give it to you. And you're going to think, well, yeah, it's about the right size box and it feels right and it rattles right and it's about the right weight and the whole deal. And so hopefully this is it because you didn't leave much to the imagination. I mean, it was make, it was model, it was color, it was size. It was pretty clear, I, I think. But anyway, so you're going to open the present and it's either going to be, yes, you got it right, or it's going to be one of these deals where you open and you go, oh, Look at that. Wow. You know, you like it? Oh, yeah. Just looking for the receipt. You know what? <laughs> and you know what? It's going to be even weirder because I brought it up. So <laughs> it's really going to be strange. I'm sorry. I shop for myself. So uh, 
No, but really, I mean, tomorrow is the big day. Tomorrow is the day when certain young ladies who are dating certain young guys are kind of wondering, maybe they'll get a little box and it creaks when the lid comes open, at least mine did. And they wear it forever. Maybe. It's the day when men hope to get something from Home Depot. And I'll be honest, I'm going to go on the record. I'm secure enough in my manhood to tell you I don't want anything from Home Depot. I hate Home Depot. I don't do anything like that around the house. Uh, When I counsel with guys who are going to get married, I say to them, look, do you like to do handyman work? And if they say no, I said, here's the deal. When your wife asks you initially to do something handyman around the house, screw it up, okay? And then if she asks you again, screw it up worse. I don't care if it's do a light bulb. Mess it up, and you're off the hook for the next 50 years. (laughs) It's my Christmas present to some of you. But tomorrow is the big day, and I think one of the reasons why tomorrow is so cool and it's such an anticipated event is because it is so absolutely predictable. I know what's going to happen in my house tomorrow. You know what's going to happen in your house tomorrow. I'll tell you right now what's going to happen. My kids are going to wake up, the two younger ones, probably before the sun comes up. And they're going to come in my room, and I'm going to tell them to leave. What? Then they're going to come back, and I'm going to tell them to leave, and they're going to come back, and I'm going to tell them to leave, and then they're going to make all kinds of noise, and somebody's going to start playing the piano that I wish we never bought. And you know, and then my wife's going to get up eventually, and she's going to go get coffee, and she's going to bring me a cup of coffee, and here's the reason why. She's wonderful. That's it. That's the only reason I've got. It's fantastic. She's going to bring me coffee, and she's going to say, look, you know... Kids are dying here. You really do need to get up. So then I'll get up, and I'll put on my robe, and I'll put on my glasses, and I'll have my hair forking out in about 40 directions so that I can take another great Christmas photograph again this year. (laughs) Seriously. And then I'll get up, and I'll come out, and my teenager will still be asleep, and we'll tell my children who are salivating over their presence that they can't open their presents until grandma and the rest of the family arrives, which is almost like child abuse. It's like taking, it's like taking a plate full of steaming hot, wonderful food and placing it before a starving man and saying, sorry, you can't eat it. Seriously. So we'll break down. We'll let them open one gift. They already know that. That's going to happen. Then grandma is finally going to arrive. And then the feeding frenzy is going to begin, and there's going to be paper flying, and there's going to be children screaming, and there's going to be cameras flashing, and I mean, it's going to be unbelievable, and I know what everybody's getting. So like my oldest daughter, 15, freshman in high school, is going to come over, she's going to jump in my lap, she's going to throw her arms around me, she's going to kiss me on the cheek, she's going to tell me that she's finally ready to sign the affidavit that says that I get to choose her husband. It's all going to go that way. My lawyer is going to come out of the bedroom magically appearing and execute it in triplicate. It's going to be awesome. Tomorrow's the big day. And tomorrow is a great day. And I hope that it is every bit as wonderful for you as, it, as I know that it will be for me. But I have one question for you before we run out to enjoy it. You ready? Here's the question. Is that it? I mean, as wonderful as all of that is, is that all? Or is there something more? What is Christmas really all about, guys? 
You know, if you've been hanging out with us at Rio Vista during the Christmas season, then you know that that's one of the things that we've been talking about. I mean, we've been going through this series of messages. We've been calling it Jesus Came Into the World. And really what we've been talking about is why Jesus came into the world, or to put it differently, what it is that Christmas is really all about. And one of the cool things that we've discovered is that the Bible doesn't leave us guessing. It doesn't leave us saying things like, well, I think that Christmas is about. And I want to stop there for a second. And I want to say what you think Christmas is all about is really, really important. It's really important. And tonight I want you to see what God thinks. Because the Bible tells us. It doesn't leave us guessing. It doesn't leave us saying things like, well, if you ask me. Now, hang on a second. I just did, didn't I? I did. But tonight we're going to ask Jesus and we're going to see what he says. We're going to look at the words of the man who himself came into the world on Christmas and then who like interrupts the narrative of his life several times at very poignant moments and says, oh, and by the way, I came into the world and then he tells us why. And tonight he's going to say this. John 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I have come in to the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Isn't that an amazing statement? That's like a statement that only Jesus can make. I mean, it's stunningly beautiful. You listen to the statement and it's like, wow. I mean, you're wowed by the statement. You realize that there's something incredibly profound that's being said here. You realize that this is a significant statement, a significant moment, a significant man. It's like, I have come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So we're wowed by the statement. We just don't know what it means. I mean, if Jesus showed up tonight and he handed out a little essay test and he said, okay, you got a half an hour, here's the question. I've come into the world as a light so that he who believes in me may not remain in darkness. Explain. What would you say? What would you write out, you know, hoping to get an A? Maybe just a C, you know? What's the answer? I mean, what is Jesus saying? Is he claiming to be kind of the first century Thomas Edison? He's saying, look, here's the deal. Hey, Peter, you over there in the corner, you see that little plastic dealie that just kind of magically appeared on the wall with a little plastic lever thingy? That's called a light switch, and that thing is going to... Now, don't flick it yet. Just when, you, when I give you the signal, you're going to flip that thing up, and that's going to turn this other thing that just like magically appeared over my head with these little white things. These are called light bulbs. I'll give you the spelling later. This is a light fixture, and here's the thing. I'm going to give Pete the signal. He's going to flip the light switch, and this light is going to fill this house with light. It's going to chase away all of the darkness, and here's the deal. This is why I came into the world. I came into the world to install one of these thingamabobbies, okay, in every house of every person who believes in me, so you people won't have to remain in darkness any longer. That's patently ridiculous. I mean, clearly, that's not the case. That would require Jesus to go to Home Depot, and he's not interested. But what is he saying? What does it mean? I've come into the world as a light. Whoever believes in me, or so that whoever believes in me, may not remain in darkness, I think what Jesus is doing is he's tapping into one of the most vivid and to one of the most frequent images in all of the Scriptures. And it's like he's walking through the Bible and he's collecting up all of these ideas, collecting up all of these statements, all of these conversations regarding this incredibly powerful image of light, and he's putting them together like so many pieces of a puzzle that he's holding up and he's saying, okay, do you see this? because this is me. 
this is Christmas. I've come into the world as this so that anyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. So then what does the Bible teach about light? Because it seems to me that that's going to kind of tell us what he's saying. You know, when you open the Bible to the first page, you read about light. It's interesting, when you open the Bible to the last page, you read about light. About 200 pages in between, you read about light. But I think the first and most obvious statement about light comes right in the first few pages. It comes in the story of the creation of the heavens and the earth, a story, by the way, that is not forgive me, given to satisfy all of our intellectual curiosities about how it is that God created the heavens and the earth. If you just read it as literature, you'll realize that that's the case. You open the Bible, you don't find God standing there in his white lab coat, you know, with a dry eraser board and a dry eraser board marker, and he's going, okay, look, you know, I created the heavens and the earth. I realize you guys have some questions. So here's the thing. I'm going to explain to you all the chemical, all the physical, all the biological processes by which I brought about the creation of the heavens and the earth just to satisfy your curiosities. He doesn't do that. He just says, look, here's the thing. In the beginning, I, God, created, well, everything. And then what happens? Because as you read on, it's like the curtains open on a play and you see the world You see the earth, and what does it look like? It's dark. It's formless, meaning it's it's without order. It's in a state of utter chaos, and it is absolutely empty. And then in the first three days of creation, God does what? He brings order to the chaos. He he structures that which is formless. He, He tames that which is chaotic. And he brings peace. And then in the second three days of creation, what does God do? He takes that which is absolutely void, utterly, completely empty, and he fills it to the uttermost. What's the story about? Because it's not to satisfy our curiosities about how he scientifically did all this. God is standing up at the very beginning of the Bible and He's going, hello, if you can, you know, relate to this image of the earth, if you look at your life and it seems like it's chaos, if you look at your heart and it's utterly empty, if you look into your soul and there's nothing but that which is dark, I'm the God who takes care of all that. See, His first utterance in the creative process It's in Genesis 1, verse 3. It just says, And God said, Let there be what? Light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And what did God do with the light and the darkness? He separated them. Stunning. So when Jesus comes to us, God in the flesh... And he says, hey, a little conversation about Christmas, sidebar. Here we go. You ready? I came into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He has that in mind. He offers that to you. But light in the Bible also is an image of life, you know, and that's true, by the way, physically as, as well as kind of figuratively. In other words, to descend into the grave is to descend into darkness in the Bible. To be rescued from the grave is to be brought out into the light. And it's also true with regard to the activities of life, and by that I mean the activities of life that either lead to death or lead to life. 
Because again, back in the biblical times, you know, they didn't have light switches and they didn't have light fixers and they didn't have light bulbs and they didn't have flashlights and headlights and taillights and streetlights and all of the various things that light up our existence now. They had none of those things. When the sun went down, guys, their day was mostly over. But why was it mostly over? Because it's not safe to go anywhere in the darkness. It's not safe really to do anything in the darkness. See, left in the darkness, you're kind of like just groping your way through life and you're vulnerable. You're subject to whatever hazard happens to befall you, but you can't see it for the lack of life or light. To walk in the path of darkness in the Bible is to walk the path of death in the Bible. In the Bible, light equals life. And in that context, the light is God's Word. I want you to listen to a verse that many of you guys have heard, most of you all your life, okay? But think about it for a second. There's, there's images in this, and it's, it's, it's amazing. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, he says, Your word is a lamp. Now, what is a lamp? It's an instrument of light, is it not? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's he saying? He's saying that the Word of God gives light to the path of life, and that in the absence of the light of God's Word, we're left to grope in the darkness, subject to whatever hazard befalls us. Walking, really, the walk that ends in death, and I don't just mean physical death, I mean death of all kinds. There is a relational death. There is a death of marriage. There is a death of conscience. There is a death of reputation, of business, of finances. The idea being that the Word of God offers light in every different area of our lives, you see, and we can avail ourselves of the light that is God's Word and walk a path of safety, or we can grope. Jesus is spoken of as the Word that was made flesh. That's Christmas. And no doubt Jesus had that in mind when he said, listen, here's the thing. Christmas, I've come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not walk in darkness. But what else does light represent? Let me just give you one more. Light represents the favor of God, and, and not just the favor of God, but the joy that comes from having the favor of God. Psalm 97, light is sown. Now catch this because it's agricultural. There's a sowing of a seed in this, okay? And God himself is the sower. He's the farmer, if you will. And here he comes. And what is he going to sow? He's going to sow light. Light is sown where? For who? For the righteous. It's like a seed that's planted in the soil, but in the soil of your heart in the soil of your life, in the soil of your mind, in the soil of your soul. But what color is soil? It's mostly dark, isn't it? That's something only the Lord can do. You see, He brings light out of darkness, does He not? He comes along planting the seed of light that out of our darkness, by His grace, there might be a harvest of light. This light is sown by God for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Now, what's the problem with that statement? It's really, it's like the word righteous. That's 
problematic, at least for me. And then upright in heart, uh-oh. It's a problem. Because I'm neither, truth be known. And yet that's the beauty of Christmas too, for the light came into the world to live the life of perfect light, to live a life of perfect obedience to all of the righteous requirements of the law of God that all of us in word and thought and deed have, well, not done very well with. And He did it for us. And then on a cross, He took upon Himself all our unrighteousness, everything that has been anything but upright in our lives, in our hearts, and He washed it away with His blood that we might be called righteous and upright, that we might know the favor and the joy of the Lord, for light is sown for the righteous, for those who come to Christ and are made righteous through faith in Him. And joy for the upright in heart. So then when Jesus says, look, I've come into the world as a light, that's what Christmas is all about, and, and I did it so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He's not talking about installing a light fixture in your house. He's coming to you, and He's collecting up these ideas, and He's saying, all of these ideas are found in me. And it's a wow statement. He's coming and saying, look, I have the ability to settle the chaos in your life and to replace it with order, with peace. He's saying, I'm the God who takes that which is empty and fills it. I'm a master at it. I don't know if you read that story at the beginning, but it's pretty amazing. That, that's what I do. He's saying, hello, if you're in the darkness then I offer you the light of my word that it might illuminate your path, that you might see the hazards before you, that you might walk freely the path of life. And I've come to offer you the favor of the Lord and the joy that comes from knowing that you're righteous, that you're upright in heart through faith in Him. I have come as a light, Jesus said, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Guys, that's what Christmas is all about if you ask Jesus. Now, what is it about when you ask you? I pray you guys have a great, great time tomorrow, and I hope you get to sleep a little later than me, okay? But don't miss what Christmas is really all about. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank You for this night of worship. I thank You for this night of remembering. I thank You for this night of meditating upon Your Son, upon the light who is Christ. And I thank You for this group, God, that You have sovereignly brought out tonight to sing Your praise, to hear Your Word, Lord, to celebrate all of the goodness that You offer. And Father, I pray tonight that You would give us faith, that You would help us to understand and to see with eyes that believe what Christmas is really all about and all that You've given us through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Bring us 
To him we pray that we might find light and that we, meet, that we might know life. We pray this for his glory and in his name. Amen. Merry Christmas.